You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Today on the show, we have my good friend, Ron DeFlippo, owner, entrepreneur, the guy just crushes it over at the Swamp Restaurant. Dude, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> I was excited, you know, I met Ron a long a long time ago. Really, was it because you had a Vespa? Yeah, I bought some Vespas from him. Okay, you mm-hmm. had a Vespa, and then you had some older school ones too that like that we serviced. Stuff, How many yeah. Vespas do you actually have? I have seven. <laughs> and how often do you actually ride them? Do you ride one one each day of the week? <laughs> no, I ride my one that you just fixed yeah. at the starter is just for game days. Okay. Back and forth from my house to a swamp restaurant. And are you just collecting the other ones or what? <laughs> I, have, I have one shown in one restaurant. I have given four or five of them away to other people. And uh, we've done raffles and we've bought stuff from you guys and, yeah. and given them away at the swamp. Thank you for that. Mm. Feel free to buy more and give them away at the swamp anytime you want. <laughs> We're trying. We, we appreciate that. Um, it's funny, like, uh, this is somebody that I like when he comes in through the shop. I always like to kind of pick his, you know, brain, get some business advice or tell him, like, what's going on. Hey, hey, while you're here, let me get your thoughts on this. And a couple weeks ago, I was uh, asking him a, a little something about some things that are going on in the area. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I don't know if you do this, but I often play the the what if game. You know, like, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, and I don't play it a lot, but like enough to where it's like, all right, well, I'm trying to think through of all the possible scenarios, you know? Yeah, I do the same. <laughs> and so I was going through through this and, and nonchalantly, Ron looks at me in the face and he goes, um, you would go out of business and you would start over. <laughs> it just made it sound like this day was like, it's no big deal. You would just restart because that's what entrepreneurs do. You just start over and you just do it again. And I actually like reflected on that, and it's actually really good advice. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is that you lose everything and you start over. Yeah, you still got your family. <laughs> They're gonna stick by you. The thing is that uh, you have to be able to be resilient. What you do today is not what you're gonna do tomorrow. Yeah, believe it or not. Yep. I mean. It's just interesting to see how things have evolved over the last 14 years. Right before this, Ron has asked me how long how long you guys been doing this. I mean, well, talking about new scooters for less, how long I've been a businessman, and it's, I can't believe it's been 14 years. Actually, 15 in March. That's awesome. So it's crazy, dude. Is there anything going on in your world? Best of Gainesville this December 17th. Happy birthday to my sister. Yeah, happy birthday. I, she Not she probably much. doesn't listen, but <laughs> <laughs> but hey, happy birthday, Tara. I love you. Not too much, just getting ready for the holidays. Yeah, um, are you gonna fill us in on your secret yet? No, not yet. Maybe, no? Next, maybe next episode. <laughs> soon, soon. The episode, but, uh, the episode when it airs, we're gonna be like, all right, now, to, now we know where you're at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you guys know where I'm at. Okay. Currently. I'm there right now, but yeah. I'll let you Ron, you got any big plans for the holidays? Do anything for the holidays? You stay in town? What do you do? Uh, I think we're going to Hawaii for Christmas, but uh, Thanksgiving is kind of a big deal. You know, it's, yeah. you, that's Thanksgiving kind of a cooler holiday. You kind of share food and sit around a table. Christmas is kind of, you know, buying a gift, open it up. Yeah. Eh, I don't really like the sweater and move on. <laughs> <laughs> the other one's more uh, of a party. What if do you, you throw one. Well, what are you hoping to get for the holidays? Any presents on your wish list? 
No, I'm not a big present person. No. I agree with Ron. I'm a I'm a Thanksgiving guy. Yeah, you like the you know, like an experienced type person. Is that why you're going to Hawaii? Actually, it's my daughter's 35th birthday. Oh, nice. She did a film down there called Red Heaven. I'll give it a plug. She uh, six scientists went into a dome. It sounds like a joke to simulate going to Mars, and, uh, and they filmed it. It's been very well received, and she hasn't finished it yet. And I think that over the holiday, she wants my wife and myself to kind of be her uh, crew because <laughs> she don't want to bring pay other people to go do it. So. Oh, so she's still filming it? Is it like documentary style? Yeah, or is it? Oh, yeah? yeah she'll cool. finish it up by then. It's Super called cool. Red Heaven, and when it comes out, it's about going to Mars. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. It's very interesting. Very good. Mm -hmm. Is there anything going on in Gainesville during the holidays? Do you, do you know? Not really, just a bunch of <laughs> ACRs are here. So yeah, the ACRs, the ACRs stay, all the students leave. Yeah. Well, you it, go it to dies. swamp. You yeah. Know, that's, that's what you do. Do you guys yeah. really die down when the students, I, I have to imagine at Swamp Restaurant, does students leave for the holidays uh, it's really, and it It's comes really down university or, driven, so yeah. it's not necessarily students, but uh, alumni and people come through town. If the Gators are doing well, I do well. If they drop off a little bit, it drops off. Believe it or not, over the holidays, people will drive through town to go see Grandma in St. Pete, and they'll stop in Gainesville and eat lunch at the Swamp and go tour the you know the stadium or the university and yeah. also younger kids they bring them here and say here's where you might want to go to school so yeah we have quite a uh in the inventory of people coming through all the time that are looking at that and we're the only real sit-down restaurant in that neighborhood believe it or not in 1994 when i built it i named that part of town midtown i wanted to identify you gave ourselves. it that famous name? Yeah, now the kids all refer to it as mid. <laughs> yeah. And I have documentation to prove it. I'm not trying to <laughs> blow smoke up my dress here. But uh, it's, uh, it's a section of town that needs to be distinguished from downtown or Archer Road or yeah. the mall area, so. You know, it's interesting, like, that you say when, you know, when the Gators are doing really well, business is better. You know, we kind of experience that. We experience it in a different way, kind of, because like if you think about it, I feel like when the Gators are doing really well, you get those like prime time spots and the games at like seven o'clock. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then now that things are kind of you know got these losses and and I mean for everybody who's listening, I know this airs on December seventeenth, but today is actually November seventh. So we got South Carolina technically coming up this weekend. Um, but you know, like the game, that game's gonna be at noon. Three straight noon. And games. so you know, it, yeah. it kind of sucks because you know, my general manager messages me. Mike's like, Mike's like, hey, Colin, game's at noon. Think we should close the dealership. And I'm like, damn it, <laughs> I don't want to close the dealership. You know, like, I, I, it's always, it's really good when those games are at seven o'clock. We're open on Saturdays from ten to four. Parents are here with their kids. They come in. Like those days are normally really, really good. People buying scooters before before seven o'clock, and then you know, sports. We, we start losing, they, the games go at noon, we have to close the dealership, and it's just like, dang it, just keep winning. Well, it's just more activity, and people wanna see other things, and yeah. shopping for scooters, and doing stuff, you don't necessarily have to be eating and drinking all, you know, for yeah. 12 hours before the game, and uh, being relegated to that kind of stuff. It's more or less shopping and doing things in the neighborhood, and you guys, you guys supply that neighborhood, it's not that far to walk. I mean, if we were yeah. in New York City, walking from here to the stadium. No, I mean, we charge yeah. for parking here. Yeah. So, and it's funny, because this year, this year I actually said, all right, I'm gonna give it up to team members if anybody wants to, to do it, to make some extra money. Um, give it up to a couple of charitable organizations, one of which that I wanna get on the podcast in 2019. Um, but like, you know, we had, we had uh, 
Foster, Florida, they were like, yeah, they're like, here you go, here's park. And they did a good job of like marketing it and yeah. you know putting it on Facebook saying, hey, like go park it. Like, New Scooters Plus is giving us their parking. We're gonna charge $20 a spot, come on out. Dude, they, they like made like over $700 <laughs> in that one day just for, you know, Two, two, three hours worth of work of parking cars. I'm like, Who'd hey. you give the money to? So it was called Foster Florida. It's a charitable organization here. That's very good. Yeah. So yeah. so we do that a couple times. And and then, you know, the one thing that I've had, I've had a lot of uh, UF student organizations always, you know, always reaching out to us. Hey, Colin, like, will you sponsor this student organization? Will you do this? And I mean, we get that a lot. We also get a lot of the charities and stuff. I mean, I'm sure you get hit up, hit up by nonprofits and stuff all the time. But, um, you know, so do we. And that's just that's a, an easy way to say hey like if you want to bring your UF club out here make a bunch of signs rent out the parking and make a few hundred bucks for your organization we'll be willing to do that for you so so it's been it's done well now we're gonna have people fighting over hey can we park cars at your park yeah, <laughs> we have cool. to have a like a lottery to let people do it and then of course I like I let my team do it as well because you know they always want to make some extra money too so it's like yeah if you want to work for a few hours on a Saturday put parking cars you can get on, you know, on an LSU game or a big game, you're gonna get twenty dollars a spot. Yeah. Um, I think normally we can easily get ten dollars a spot, but it's, it's not. Spot it's not far. Publix and Chick Fil A. Oh yeah, it's not far. It's a, it's if you spot. cut down like Fifth too, you can like yeah. go right behind the Swamp Restaurant, like going right down that yeah, way. Cut it's good. The neighborhoods is pretty nice. Yeah. That's good. So, but the only like, trouble is that uh, the next game after South Carolina is Idaho, and uh, I think noon. attendance will really, really drop. Then I call yeah. those. The secretary's bowl. Everybody gives their tickets to their secretaries, and they kind of come. <laughs> yeah. I even drop prices yeah. during that period oh, of time man. for uh, to accommodate, you know, the uh, the different kind of people that wouldn't go there. Not bowl gators and all these crazy. Right. Maniacs. I yeah. feel like it's definitely giving tickets away to, to yeah. friends. I got I got friends who I'm giving my tickets away to that they they ask for them because I got some friends and family coming into town. So very much the same thing. So well, cool. Like. Let's uh, you know, I always like to dive into the origin stories, right? I wanna, I wanna take it way back and find out how you even became a businessman and what led to, you know, you start, you know, starting the Swamp Restaurant and this really this monumental business in Gainesville, Florida. Um, well, yeah. actually, and you probably have the same problem. No one would ever hire you or me, so you had to go in business for yourself. Is that what happened? Yes. When, when was that? Uh, probably when I got out of college, I uh, took some jobs and went to South America and did site inspections for coppers. And they're they're rebuilding the railroads, and they were buying hardwoods out of South America. And they needed a a go to guy. They didn't have Federal Express, and you had to go and look at and bring wood samples back. So you went into the jungle and brought stuff back. I started traveling, and I really got the traveling bug and. What traveling really does for you is it shows you the other part of the world and what other people are doing. And Gainesville's a tremendous town to me. I, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I built my first bar in town called Harmonica Joe's, which is now University Club. Well, how did you even get to Gainesville? Was it for school? College, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I, uh, I went to Atlanta because I was making luggage in a plant in South America, and Coca-Cola moved me to Atlanta for 10 years. And then I came back to town. Harvey Budd was building some TV stations and some towers, and I came back here. And then I took the old Silverman's building, which is called the Silver Q, that was downtown, and I built that. And the swamp became available because it was burned down. It was Chaucer's, and I thought that that corner was significant. Mm 
and uh, I saw something that I don't think anybody else saw at the time. And I rebuilt it and opened it up, but I didn't have any uh, restaurant experience. I had a little bit of bar experience, and uh, I like real estate. I own several pieces of property in and around Gainesville and the state. I just, I just purchased some stuff in Deland, Florida, which reminds me of Gainesville in the you know, late 60s when I came here in the early 70s. And growth has been a big part of Florida, and people are moving here on a regular basis, and you're in a position, I grew up in a little town outside of Buffalo, New York, and everything was kind of deteriorating there rather than growing, and Florida's always had growth since I've been here. Hmm. With growth, you have opportunity. So we've all captured it. And having a product that people are interested in, you know, makes it worth it, whether it's a hamburger or chicken wings or scooters, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an evolutionary thing. And evolving yourself and seeing the market and being in a small business and being able to change dramatically is, uh, is very, very important. And if you can make any money doing it, as I've told Colin, buy a piece of real estate every year. Don't put your money in an IRA or anything like that where a bank ties you up. You need the freedom and the ability to take your money and do the things that you feel are right for your family, your business, and the people that are around you. And, and grow and build, and I'm kind of a socialist in that respect. I've brought a lot of guys along with me, but it takes, there's six guys in this room, seven including me, and this couldn't get done with two guys, you know? So all things being equal, you need the people around you to do it, and you need to grow into those type of uh, environments. So how many, t how many businesses have you had or owned? I own probably, I have seven corporations now that I do, and uh, from uh, uh, art collection that it's on tour to real estate that I own. I've built some Airbnbs behind the swamp that are doing very, very well. Rather than have apartments, we've been very successful with doing weekends and weekly rentals for Shands University and everything. But currently, there's a lot of because of it, there's a lot of other buildings being built, like hotels and, and, and overnight stay places for people. So looking at the market and seeing what's available, in addition to having a daily cash flow with a restaurant and uh, supporting kids that are going to school and those type of things, it's, it's worked out very, very well for us. Do you find yourself constantly like bouncing between all these different projects and businesses that you have going on or do you have like you just have managers in place and you let them do their thing like I what's, have, what's I your have, what's your day I look have, like I have two offices <laughs> one here in Gainesville and one in Ormond Beach and I manage my offices every day they send me my totals at the end of the night on what our places did I'm not online like you younger guys where I can go and see my cameras and see who's in the place it would probably just give me a stomach ache every night if I did. <laughs> my kids drinking and carrying on. But uh, I have very, very good management. I've brought in some younger partners and uh, they've done an excellent job, but it's been a, uh, it's, I call it college. Uh, I took on a partner at the Swamp, uh, Ryan Prudowski and, uh, and Nick Smith, and they're doing a great job. But I tell them that they're in their third year, so they're juniors in the business. They're not, they're, they're reaching their senior year next year, so they'll graduate. But 
it's like everything, it's a learning experience. And when you're driving something on an individual basis, you have to have some vision. And your vision changes daily because the, 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 uh, the landscape changes, so you have to adapt to it. Yeah. What is your, I'm, I'm kind of interested, like what's your day look like? I go to work, I check my numbers, I pay my bills on Monday, I uh, evaluate what's going on, I have computers that tell me what I did. I, Swamp's been there 25 years, my other place has been there 12 years. My other businesses that I have are kind of leasehold improvement places that I have to keep up with and do. It's diverse, it's, uh, it's fixing, keeping things maintained and also improving all the time. If you don't improve, you kind of die. Yeah. I also have helped P&G, Afternoon, people that are young in the business that don't have the insight to know where they're gonna be two or three years down the road because they're so consumed with what they're doing on a daily basis. I try and give them a little more insight, a little financial help, a little advice, and also being able to see where they think they're gonna go. and. Nobody really writes a business plan. I mean, did you write a business plan when you did this place? No, and it's funny, because I get a lot of people who, who ask that question, and yeah. I still feel like on a university level, it gets pushed a lot. Um, so I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know if like I really, sh really should have. <laughs> um, but like, just in, like, in that last episode, I was talking about the fact that I just saw an opportunity, and I just, I just went in it, you know, just I dove, head, dove head first into Blind. something I didn't know yeah. anything about, and started figuring things out along the way, and I think. I mean, uh, we wouldn't be allowed in Innovation Square. I just walking in and say, hey, you know, I got this, I'm gonna build this swamp over here on the corner, it's a burned down building, and I'm gonna go for it. And they'd say, well, what's your budget? What's that, you know, it's like, we just kind of do it. Same thing with you, did you know anything about floor planning? And No, I mean, definitely yeah. figured it out along the way, definitely paid cash for the first you know, for scooters, and then, and then I would sell them, and then have to buy new ones, and then it was you, just then, a, you, then your credit cards were charged up. Yeah, and you were no, like, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how people we, make so many mistakes, and uh, it's just getting through those pitfalls. But if you believe in what you're doing, it's well. I would say this: the only thing about a business plan that I like really remember doing was in the early days. Like, I didn't like we didn't necessarily have a formal business plan or deck or any of that kind of stuff, but it was. It was spreadsheets. I mean, I remember sitting down, like figuring out what the utilities were going to be, asking the neighboring unit, say, "Hey, how much are you paying in utilities here? Like, we're thinking about moving in next door. Like, what's that look like? You know, um, what are you paying in rent? <laughs> Trying to figure out what like the rent would be, what the utilities would be, and just and just figuring, really figuring out a runway, right? Like, how much, how much time do we have before we run out of this initial investment? And it was. I mean, and I had a partner at that time and he was bringing in that initial investment. I was bringing in a lot of the time because he was still in school and I was about to graduate. So for me, it was like 100% of my time running this business and getting this thing off the ground. But, um, and then ultimately, like you learn the lessons along the way. Cause after two years, you know, my partner, partner and I split, you know, had just completely, I would just say like the, ultimately our visions were just different. You know, we weren't on the same page as to where we were going. No one likes to be told anything either, so if you're suggesting or doing something. But you also have to take into consideration that uh, your knowledge is very, very weak. And also, people are kind of very guarded. They don't want to share information with you. They don't want to say, oh, I'm paying this much for rent and I may have a better deal or he's, I'm screwing myself. And you know, it's just, it's across the board. And 
I have a terrible landlord where I'm at. Uh, the swamp is uh, the only thing I own about 28 buildings in uh, Ballyhoo's, and I owned the stuff downtown with uh, uh, Boca Fiesta and those guys. And I, I had tenants, and I've, I've sold those things off to certain people, but I shared the information with them, and I want them to get bigger and stronger because it'll only make me be able to move on and do other things. And uh, it's impossible to get people to share information just because they're so guarded, they feel like they're going to give something up. Mm-hmm. And at my age, I, I can't tell you enough, you know, because I just want to get it out there. I'm, I'm kind of overloaded. Yeah. <laughs> I need to download some of this stuff. Do you feel like that's a weakness? The weakness is not sharing. The strength is being very transparent. And, yeah. See, I like, mean, I tell you whatever you want to ask me. Right, as, right. As honestly and, and maybe sometimes it's critical as well, you know, because I think I'm older and more knowledgeable. But... Uh, basically how your plan is going to help you get better and I hope to say that's all I'm all about but I'm sure I'm selfish and self-centered as well (laughs) (laughs) well I've just found like I'm I don't know how you are with it but I'm just super I'm super transparent yeah like I try to be I mean I just sent an email to my entire team saying look this is what November and December have been like the last couple of years this is what I'm trying to achieve this is how much money we lost in the month of December you know I just like yeah lay it lay it I'm super transparent with my team um, I've been transparent with people that I've, I've trusted and have had it bite me in the butt before yeah you know and or or come really close to it um, and and so sometimes I wonder like ah, should I should I be that transparent or should I sometimes be more it, reserved sometimes it or? helps you sometimes it bites you in the butt my uh, daughter just got engaged in Paris, and her fiance didn't want to ask me for her hand because he said I can't keep a secret. <laughs> so, Is that true? It's <laughs> the truth. You would have told her. <laughs> I, 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 hey, can I ask you? Make sure you got a good dress on or something. <laughs> Look as good as you possibly can. I don't want to lose this window of opportunity. <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, I mean it's just that sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. My wife says I I talk too much, but yeah. I, I got nothing to lose. You know, I, I don't. To take something away from me would uh, would cost you a great deal of money, <laughs> and it'd still be a dice shoot. You know, kind of get to a pinnacle, and you're fine. Also, in business, I think that you have to grow daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and it's very, very important to keep Monday on the 17th of of November. It rained, and I did you know, $2,000 worth of business, you know, and, you know, the 18th was clear and we did $3,500 or something, you know, and it's like, and if you can just go back and just, information is so important at every level, whether it's, you know, whether it's the election was today and people are depressed or people are happy or, you know, the Gators are winning, this happens, national championships, it's 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 all relative and how you how you digest that stuff and how you put it out there is completely your own information and it it helps you build and helps you you create and knowledge is power surrounding yourself with new people and new ideas and exchanges is very very important is that the best way to do it is that the way you do it i i do quite a bit and i've kind of gotten away from my daily operations but 
I have a plethora of girls over there that are, some of them never had jobs before in their whole life. How they turn and how they look at things, I'm interested in because sometimes they're really, really smart, sometimes they're really stupid, you know, and you gotta, you gotta evaluate it on, 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 on that level. So yeah, like everything's fresh, fresh very, very important. And, and the little messages that you get are probably greater than the bigger messages. I read a great deal. Just read Species, you know, and uh, it's a great book, and how we got here and the evolution of it, how it pertains to the swamp business is is irrelevant. But it's a it's a thought process that gets you, you know, opens you up because you're so inundated with uh, the minutia of your everyday operation that you can't get away from it sometimes. Oh, that guy didn't finish that carburetor out there, and the guy's been here twice because it's only for transportation and I'm pissing this guy off and I'm making this guy happy. The people you make happy by mistake are the ones that you don't even know. And your friends are probably your worst enemies. <laughs> My friends go, I'm not going to the swamp, you're not gonna be there. I go, who do you know at Outback? You know? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Who do you, <laughs> you know, know at Outback? Why do I have to be in the room to make uh, you feel comfortable? That's funny. <laughs> how did, I mean, how did you get your education in things like the the commercial real estate piece, for example? I mean, when did when did you buy your first piece? And I had a, I had a bunch of residential down? houses, and with residential houses in Gainesville, it's different. You know, you've got students, and you matriculate them through, and they and they move out. But it was a lot more upkeep. And commercial buildings at triple net. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I ran it to say Ballyhoo's and they pay the taxes, insurance, and maintain the building. I gotta keep a roof on it, and that's about it if air conditioners go. It's, it's their responsibility. It's a lot easier, you've got good term leases, they pay every month, and if a guy's in a residential place and he loses his job, you've got a victim. Put a family on the streets, I, I had a hard time doing that kind of stuff. A guy in business, if he can't make any money, he runs away. <laughs> and. I've had plenty of commercial places that I haven't chased the guy. Usually the guy goes out of business. He can't be held responsible for the chance he took, spending all his money with his dream, and then me go and put a judgment against him. So the next job he gets, I end up taking $20,000 from his lifeline. I, it's If I'm not capable of re-renting it or believing in the property that I own, uh, it kind of lends itself to how you want to, I don't know, did you ever see It's a Wonderful Life? I don't want to be Potter's Field, <laughs> where I'm making you know slums and people are, you know, can't afford to live there. Yeah. Everything's relative. And if you keep that perspective and put yourself in somebody else's shoes, I think it works a lot better for you. Yeah. I'm no saint, you know, I'm not trying to say that, but know what business that you're in and know what you're doing and understanding it from both sides, I think, makes you far more successful. When did you, but like, when did you get your first piece of commercial real estate? I bought, I bought uh, next to Emiliano's, it's a little, it's a little uh, gelato store. Yeah, and it was a, been there a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it's been there forever. I bought that piece and I, it was an alleyway that a guy put a roof over the top of it and he put his wife in there. It was called Dolores' Beauty Salon. So he put a roof over an alley, put a floor in, put his wife in there, and 
he did really well for a while, and then he decided to sell it. So I was buying it from him, and I bought it. It was inexpensive, I don't even know the number, but I had a restaurant that went in there, and they wanted to buy it from me. So they did a survey on it, and they said, we only own up to the inside walls. We don't even own the walls because they were attached to the other buildings and downtown. And he says, if we buy it, what do we do? And I said, don't hang any pictures. (laughs) 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 You got the space. What do you want from me? That's funny. (laughs) But I mean, and and it worked worked for everyone. So, you know, I mean, they were were trying to back me in a corner and try to get it cheaper. And I just said, no, I saw Uh, saw it. I, I buy and sell quite a bit because uh, it's kind of like my neighborhood. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but there's a lot of older families that own a lot of stuff here, and God bless them. Their fathers, grandfathers bought it, and passed it down through the ages, but they're not progressive. They don't fix or maintain mm. or build it. And guys come here from other parts of the country and build the standard which I think is a great piece of property on the corner of 13th and University. And it modernizes our town. And what's cool about America is that we're, we're always building and tearing things down. Europe is a little bit different. I mean, people are complaining about mold in their buildings. I go, guys, ever been to Barcelona <laughs> and stayed in an old hotel? I'm sure it's filled with mold. But uh, what happens is you know, it was like Archer Road. I mean, Clark Butler did all that stuff out there, and it was it was vision, and having new stuff and building stuff and creating more energy. I mean, Pizza Palace down the street here was the only place to get Italian food in the old days, and of course, there's better places now that did it. And those guys never really evolved or changed. And I have a landlord that, you know, has me kind of, you know, what do you call it? Uh, underneath that one footprint and I can't get bigger, stronger, or smarter. Mm-hmm. So I have I had to buy property behind it and feed the place and change it. I had to evolve if they weren't gonna do it. And sometimes people get stymied in business. I think you're you moved from over the other place to here yeah. and it's been a plus for you. Yep. But it was a leap of faith for you to do it. And, you know, I'm sure your family said you know, why are we going out on this limb that we're just going to saw off on ourselves? I mean, it, and that whole process was crazy. Have I even, have I even told you about that process? Not really. Dude, like, the, the, the way things laid out, I, I mean, I say divine intervention just because the way everything laid out. But, you know, there was there was another scooter shop here. Right. I don't know if you know that. Swamp yeah. Cycles, they were yeah. here. Uh-huh. We ended up, you know, I had started that conversation a long time ago of, hey, I can tell your heart's not in this. That's okay. Like, sell to me. Like, sell, sell me your business, and and you know, I got the answer of Colin. We'll sell to you at some point, but today's not the day. And so when they told me that, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna sell. Yeah, you know, my mind is instantly like, oh my gosh, they're gonna sell to me. Like that, that to me, that's like it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of when. So I, every every couple months, hey, just checking. Is today the day? You know, doing that every couple months. Finally, I got the answer I want, which was, okay, Colin, we'll sell to you. You know, I come over here to make a really long story short, like the value wasn't there, what they wanted wasn't there, so I passed. I was like, oh, it's not gonna work out, blah, blah, blah. But eventually, like, I mean, they were they were just in trouble anyway. Like, we were doing such a good job two miles away. I think they didn't personally take good, you know, 
advantage of this location. They yeah. didn't. They didn't really go after it. We were, you know, kicking butt two miles away, and then we just pushed them out. I mean, they were gone. I mean, it literally came down to them. Hey, they were out on a Saturday, or uh, they were out on Friday night. I I signed the lease Saturday morning, and then I, and I didn't even think twice about it. It was just gut instinct. I still had a lease over there at the other place. I was gonna have two locations. What's that gonna look like? Two locations, two miles apart from each other. Like that doesn't make a lot of business sense. Yeah. But then, well, your timing timing is very very important in this business and luck. And those things are essential for business and growth. Um, when, I, when I did the Swamp, um, I went to the University of Florida. They couldn't win three games a year. They had to bring Furman in for homecoming to beat somebody. And, you know, the Swamp, the name, the other stuff that went on, my timing was impeccable. And people said, you don't know anything about the restaurant business. We're not lending you any money. We're not doing this or that. And I just said, yeah, I, there's something here, guys, and I'm stupid not to do this. Yeah. And it was a huge leap of faith. Right. And I, uh, I just said, oh, yeah, I'll build it and I'll figure it out. Same thing you did. You know, if you don't, if you don't believe in it and do it, I'd rather go broke trying mm. than go broke wishing. You know, and there say, you go. oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. And you gotta. Be a gambler, and that's what entrepreneurship's all about. Well, that's yeah. exactly what we did, because we moved We moved over here. That was in the middle of July 2015. We scrounged up quickly a showroom so we could have a showroom before August. So we redid the showroom as fast as we possibly could. This was still, I mean, talk about moldy mess. I mean, this, this whole service area was just terrible. Um, and then, you know, after we get through back to school season, my landlord over there, you know, I thought he was getting all kind of nervous <laughs> that, hey, like I saw that you opened up another location, like what's happening? I'm like, oh, don't worry, like we're still happy here. He's like, oh, well, I don't know if you know this, but our company's been growing. If you want to get out of your lease, we'll let you out, you know, if you need it. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> so we took that advantage, you know, so it, it, things ended up working out where we ended up moving from over there a lot sooner than we anticipated because he was willing to let us out of the lease because his company was growing. And we moved over here. We, we, we we remodeled this, didn't own it. Everybody thought I was crazy. We invested like $130,000 into investing, you know, into cleaning up this service department because I looked at it as like, look, I understand it's not my property, but I need the business. I, like I need it to be set up to work for my business because if it's not, then like, you know, we're gonna lose anyway. Like I need yeah. it to be functional for what we're gonna do. So we invested the money, we cleaned this up and then I just had it in my mind. Like I just was like, I'm going to buy this place. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm gonna buy this place. And I think, you know, I don't know if you've read that Napoleon Hill book, um, God, what is it? Think and Grow Rich? Yeah. But it's like, it's like when you have that desire, it's like when you put it up here and you have that desire and you can't, it's almost like an obsession. The trouble you can't, is you can't, you can't remember what you were thinking at the time, but at the time you were thinking right, and you have to do it. And also, I mean, scooter business exploded. I mean, this town's got more scooters. I rode a Honda Passport when I was in school here. People made fun of me, you know, and I bought it from Stripes over here. But in, I don't know if it case. would have exploded if it wasn't for how driven I was. You know what I mean? Like, even, I mean, we talked about this in the last, in the last episode, like the number of decals sold in 2004, which is when we, when we started, was like 600. Mm -hmm. I mean, you said you had a Honda Passport. Like, what year was that? 
1968. I mean, so scooters, yeah. scooters were around. Like yeah. there was, there were scooters, but it was just less than 600. It wasn't, well, it wasn't, it wasn't it, a thing. It wasn't cool. I mean, but last year it was 6,800 decals were sold. Something crazy like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, it in those great sh- job marketing, even even this thing that you're doing, you know, brings a a. Uh, um, a consciousness to the market. Some people don't like the scooters. <laughs> I always tell you, people send me text messages, they get stuck behind the scooter, they pull their phone out, and they take a picture, and they text yeah. it to me, and they say, thank you. Well, like, what about, well, okay, let's talk about like, your business a little bit. Are we are we evolving into electric bicycles? Because they're yeah. easier to get on campus and park, because there's no restriction, no. you can drive them right on the sidewalks over there. Look, it's funny because I get into this area where I'm very much like, you know, we've, we've always said we want to be the scooter experts, right? We want to, like, we want to gain, gain all the scooter capital of the world, like scooter experts. And, and we've done that. We haven't gotten into a lot of other products. We've, we've definitely said, hey, this is the one thing that we're going to know. We're going to know it really well. The, the problem with that is you can't, you can't be romantic about that because the market ultimately decides, right? Like, if people, if people are like, oh, like, this is going to be the new way we get around on campus. It's going to be electric bicycles. If something like that happens, um, you can guarantee we're going to be the number one electric bicycle business in town. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I look at it as, you know, really just staying true to the mission, right? So our mission was always to help college students get to and from class at their convenience without dealing with the bus, without dealing with campus parking. So if an electric bicycle was the thing that that does that now? Okay, great. Like we're gonna we're gonna sell the hell out of them. You know what I mean? What about um, those stations? I, I see the guy in Lyft is buying all the big city, you know, electric bikes that they've got parked in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and stuff. I mean, is there is there a possibility for that to be a downtown, midtown, you know, Archer Road? I mean, we got bike routes in this town. It's kind of set up for you. For sure. You know? Not even, not even selling them. I mean, maybe just stations and renting them. You know, I mean, as far as, I mean, we're we're reverting back to business plans and and being progressive thinkers. I mean, is that the way to go? I mean, in my business, I'm looking at uh, you ordering coffee and a croissant or something and paying for it on your phone and just walking in the door and picking it up. That's the best thing for me to do because if not, you got to come and sit down. A waitress has to come and see you. You know, the evolution of service and product is changing dramatically. Yeah, and, and it's always going to. I think you just have to pay attention and focus on what consumers really want. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know what that ultimately means for new scooters for less, but the thing that I, I've never been afraid to evolve. Like I think it's one of the, I think it's one of our strengths. It's, I think it's the reason why we built one of the top scooter dealerships in the country is because well, I pay a lot of attention to, you know, where everybody else is putting their attention. You know, everybody's like this on their on yeah. their phone. Students are like this. They're in class. You know, where I used to sit in class and go through the classifieds of the alligator. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, back guess what? Back in two thousand four, like I used to put I used to have like three or four ads in in the scooter section of the of the alligator. How many do I have now? Zero. Why? Because students don't do that anymore. Students go like this. They get no, on their phones. That's why there's no UFO spottings anymore. Everybody's looking down. And I look it up. But I mean, it's just true. Like I want to put, you know, my my ads. My I want to provide our customers value. You know, we use a lot of YouTube stuff, how-to videos. There's always this fear of like, well, Colin, if you teach somebody how to change the light bulb on their scooter, like, aren't you going to lose their business? Um, 
maybe if they live in Idaho, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, but even then we might be able to sell them the light bulb. There's, there's so much opportunity, like, but I, you know, I, I know how to change the oil in my car, but I'm not gonna do it because my time is more valuable doing other things. And I think a lot of people miss that point. So I don't know, there's just a lot going on with, no, with this device, it, this is the remote control to our lives. It all back to you, but if everybody thinks that they have something to sell and they have to go through you to do it, 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 it shortens your, your progression. And the thing is that knowledge is power. Give it to them, share it. Don't even worry about it. Well, I think like, you know, I was asking you, you know, how do you get your education? You know, that kind of thing. How did you learn a lot of this stuff? I mean, especially on the commercial real estate piece because because we did, we ended up up buying the the building and now there's a lot of movement in there. There's a lot of things going on. I get asked a lot of questions. Hey, Colin, are you willing to sell? Are you willing to do this? And you know, like, I'm one, I'm, in, I'm at a state right now where I'm super grateful for everything I have. God doesn't wanna give me one more thing, fine. I'm super happy with everything that I have. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, like speak to me, you want, you want me to do more? What, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not like, me, I, I, <laughs> I can't find that expiration date. I mean, I'm pushing every day, you know? It's uh, Well, I just, you know, I just have that feeling. It's a legacy that you have to create, and it's for your family and that, and for yourself, not, you know, I, I didn't in, invent anything. I don't know that much, but you just keep working every day, and it's a it's a tough mountain to climb. Well, and, and you've fallen in love with Gainesville. I mean, you've been here since when? 1968. I mean, I. I mean, I love I love. I had a home in Aspen. I had an apartment in New York City. I mean, this is my base, but I I loved the world, you yeah. know, Europe. I went to school in Italy, uh, learned how to cut patterns over there. Education's very, very important, and the education of travel, and it's a Marco Polo syndrome. You know, I don't have an original idea, but Marco Polo was the guy that brought spaghetti to, from the from Asia to Italy, and he gets credit for spaghetti, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what I'm gonna take credit for, but it's seeing other things. What about and creating a staple in Gainesville? Yeah, Pardon? I mean the Swamp Restaurant is like a staple. Twenty-five years, and to be in business for twenty-five years is is remarkable. Not not for me to say it, but I have been here for as many years. And there's since you guys have been here, there's bars, clubs, stores that have just dissipated. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but like over and really, over and over what's again. What's really interesting is that. I, I don't shop at Walmart, I don't do chains, I just, I shop locally, think globally, you know. And okay, so when you talk about things like Butler Plaza and like people having these this vision and now there's all these big corporate stores coming in, like how do you, I mean, how do you feel about that? Doesn't that provide, isn't that somewhat of a threat to some of the small businesses that are here in it, Gainesville? It is, but it's also, it's indicative of uh, our times, you know, I can't go to a bank and say, hey, I'm gonna open up a clothing store. I've got these clothes that I make and they're really great and I need $100,000, you know? I can borrow $10 million easier than I can buy borrow $100,000 with a development that looks like the standard club or, or the stuff that's there. For an independent, and you've probably been on the doorstep of a few banks asking for, for some short-term stuff, and, it's just not available. But when I was younger, it was available because there wasn't that stuff out there. So the change has been dramatic 
in banking, in marketing, in all the aspects of a private entrepreneurial business. And if you don't have the staying power or the personality, you don't need money all the time, but you need to be held accountable. I've gotten a lot more stuff by telling a guy, hey, I really need this and I don't have anything to give to you now, but I swear to you, I'll kill myself to do it. And having them believe in me or having a track record that made that happen is sometimes you have to put yourself out there. And a lot of people stop themselves by not putting themselves out there or saying those things to a supplier. I built a silver queue downtown in 1990 and I didn't have any money. And uh, I got a guy in Orlando that built pool tables. And I went down and I said, I need, I don't know what I was buying, 15 pool tables and they were $2,000 a piece. So it was, you know, 30,000 bucks. I gave him $5,000 for the initial offer. And he said he would deliver them and he came there and I was supposed to pay for the balance. And of course I didn't have the balance. So he starts unloading the truck and I said, hey, you know, uh, before we put these things up, I gotta talk to you about something. I said, I've only got uh, maybe 50% of what I owed him. And I said, uh, I need to talk to you. He said, well, were you gonna let me set all the tables up and then tell me that? And I go, yeah, I was thinking that way because it was so much work. <laughs> he goes, I'd uh, kicked your butt. And I said, ah, you're kind of a big guy. That's why I decided to tell you ahead of time. And you know, I ended up, he said, well, when can you do it? And I said, well, you gotta give me 30 days. I just spent all this money building my place out and getting it ready. I had to buy a license, liquor license and blah, blah, blah. And you know, he, he agreed to it, but I was very honest with him and straight up and you know, he felt my pain. And if I couldn't get open, he wasn't gonna sell them to me and he had to take the gamble. I probably paid him for what it cost him to do it, and his profit was sitting there for me. So knowing and understanding that, that I wasn't just saying give me everything and I'm giving you nothing, he, I gave him what he probably had into the deal, and I kind of, you know, thought it through and said, "What would I accept?" And it ended up working out for me. What do you think the advantage was during that time? Like, what year was that? 1990. Okay, so in 1990, for small businesses, you know, really social media, not even a thing. Like, so you know, because you know, I'm going back to these big corporate stores moving in now, like what's the advantage? Is there, you know, is there a threat for these small businesses and that kind of thing? And and yes, I think you could look and say that there is, but the, the, the key here, the advantage that I keep seeing, and you can chime in on this, is really the social media stuff, kind of like the Addison McKenzie's of the world, yeah. you know, these, these boutiques, these people who are literally making money through Instagram. You know, these, these resources and stuff, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, like, those resources were not available in 1990. So what was the advantage then versus now? The advantage then that you had to have, you had to put your personality out there. You really had to be, I think the thing that attracts you and I together when we first met was we are personable people. We were, we were attracted to one another. We liked it. You were not a younger version of me, but you know, younger. And you were, you were moving forward and I liked that about you. And people, people kind of, uh, can extrapolate that from you. And that's what you had to put out there. Now you're just putting a picture out there and saying, I've got a better product or a cheaper product and all you gotta do is drive across town and fight traffic to get it. It's, it's how you service and how you present yourself in your marketplace. And 
a lot of people sell scooters, you know, it's market share. I mean, you can go on Craigslist and buy them and all the other places, And but you stand behind your product and, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, invaluable traits that you have to really put out there. And it's a combination of all those things. Well, and interestingly, like, I look at that because you're exactly right. I mean, in that email I was talking about that I sent to my team, one of the things I said in 2019, we're gonna focus a lot on the used market because we just spent the last three years putting over 800 units, 800 new scooters every year on the road. Well, guess what, guys? <laughs> There's 2,400 scooters out there with our name on them that are three years old. Now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna buy those back at these juniors and seniors start to leave, and we're gonna we're gonna buy, resell. It should them. be like buyback books. You'll bring your scooter. Yeah, I'll give you money. Yeah, um, I had a, I had a guy that I used to buy cars from, and he was always competing with the big car lots, and he was a great guy. But he would get a car. In those days, you didn't have the information like the what do you call it? The facts, the fox, oh, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. and the reports fax if they report. had accidents yeah. or something. Car facts. And he would buy a car, and he'd sell it to you, and the transmission would fall out in two weeks. <laughs> and he would just oh, say, no. bring it back, I'll put a new transmission in. He didn't even, you know, he didn't say, well, you were driving in low gear, or you hit a bump. Or, right. You know, he just, he just did he it. He just fixed it. And it was the right thing to do. His philosophy was, and then everybody went to him, because no matter what, he'd give you a loaner, and he'd do that stuff, and it was it was personalized service, and it was also in a community where you knew people. I mean, you guys have, like I do, you've got kids coming here from all over the place. They come and go, and you know. So, how far you want to go with that? And it's also somebody that's going to take advantage of you, but just you know, suck it up sometimes. I, yeah. I like the the turnover. I think Gainesville has its own economy because of it. Right, like, it has forever. Yeah, and so many people come through this town. You know where everybody's like, "Oh, well, do you fear like a huge crash and like things?" I mean, yeah, like if economy crashes, that kind of thing, we're like we'll be affected. But interesting, like you go back to like two thousand eight, was new scooters less affected? I'm like, yeah, in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different because gas, like gas, went to five dollars a gallon. Everybody was buying scooters because they get eighty miles a gallon, so our sales went up. So I, I know that that's a little bit unique. But, but still, like, there were still college students coming in that fall, yeah. you know what I mean? And because of that, there were still, people were still buying textbooks at that time, they were still buying, you know what I mean, like whatever. Scooters, anything that they needed for school. We have this natural economy of turnover of students, people coming in and out. Now that is a disadvantage in some ways because the lifespan of a lot of our customers are only four or five years because they graduate, they leave town. I'm, I'm pushing but. 70, I got scooters. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I'm saying that's, that's, going that's the... I shipped one, to, I have one in Brooklyn that I ride around in my daughter's house. <laughs> but that's you know? a small percentage of our, of our right. customer base, right? But I, not, not to, the thing that really resonates most with me and it's a philosophy that I've adopted is uh, Uber, is the largest transportation company in the country, in the world, and they don't, they don't own a car. Right. Airbnb is the largest hoteler, and they don't own a bed. Right. So if we take that philosophy and incorporate it somehow into our little businesses, I think that you you have to think that way. Yeah, in but order the, prob the only problem the with that, though, is that Everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the next Uber of, we don't, of this. Uh, well, Uber everybody of that. everybody like, wants to reach here. But if you can just reach here in your own market and 
and see, that, that's see your That's the thing increases. though, in your own market, everybody thinks that they're gonna make the next unicorn, that they're gonna be the next Facebook, Uber, you know, Airbnb, and it's just like, it's just like, give me a break. Like, people need to take more of the old school bootstrap, you know, like go, getting the, ten, like going to family, friends, whatever, getting that, getting that initial $10,000, getting it off the ground and then, and then reinvesting, 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 reinvesting. But I mean, we're, we've been, you know, we're meeting people all the time that now, now the business life is go raise half a million dollars and burn through it. <laughs> Like, Everybody wants an episode on cribs. They're not going to get it. <laughs> you know, the thing is that you really, really have to have passion, heart, and drive. And also know that uh, you want to go sell cars tomorrow, go out to the car dealerships and sit out there. If you want to do something on a personal and individual basis that has your name and your reputation on it, you know, put it out there for the, for the most positive approach you can get. You know, always be, take the higher ground, always be the guy that's magnanimous, generous, you know, not the smartest guy in the room, but, you know, it's being that person that you really want to relate to and share your stuff. I mean, I told these guys all stories from my five years old to 68 years old in, in a matter of five minutes. And uh, you don't need to be full of yourself, but you need to be able to say, you know, it's, it's a journey. And in your journey, you want to do very positive things. I'm sure I've screwed over a few people. Probably listening now. <laughs> <laughs> the people that hate you will listen to you more than the people that like you. But uh, you know, it's it's just that great journey, and I, I'm really proud of you for what you've done here and where you've came from. I told you to move closer to campus, and I wanted you to move in one of my places over there that was smaller. Yeah. That make yourself available to. Well, it's that, hard finding the market. right the right fit for what we do, because there's so many aspects. I don't want to say that I opened up your eyes to do it, but you looked and you knew that. I'm gonna go ahead and give you all the credit right here <laughs> on the podcast. Okay, and we're one, done 100%, today, folks. it's all you. <laughs> That's what I came here for. <laughs> all right, all right. No, it was like, you, you have to be better. I was downtown in the 70s in a bar with my brother, and I didn't care about it, and we did okay with it. And then I did the silver cue. But if I hadn't done those two things, the swamp would have never been successful. If the swamp was my first venue or to do it. And I never served food in any of these places. And it was extremely difficult. I hired a, a consultant to help me do it. And I didn't have the money for him. You know? And uh, I figured out it was, it was necessity. I needed to do it. I needed to figure out how to get an order from here made and brought back to that guy and collect the money to do it. And it was difficult. Yeah. And but it was something I had to do and I had to suck it up and find the money and cheat a supplier for two weeks or something and, and tell the guy I said I can't pay, I gotta do this in order to stay in business because I believe anybody that supplies me or does anything is my partner. And if without me he doesn't exist. So sometimes there's bumps in the road that you have with them. And if you're transparent and you tell them that, I think I have pretty good communication skills in those areas and logic. And if you're hiding, you know, a guy calls you and wants to sell you something, you don't want to talk to him, it's, it's better to tell him, hey, I'm really not interested in this now. You want to check back with me in six months, you can. And courteous and those kind of things. I mean, I call insurance company guys back. <laughs> They're trying to sell me something. You know, you can't ignore everybody because they're potential customers. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Ty, what you got, brother? 
So before we forget, I want to get a little bit of background on the name Swamp Restaurant. There's you know, Spurrier dubbed it the Swamp. Why why that corner, and then why why name it the Swamp? And then has it been? I know it's been a, maybe a little bit of a battle keeping that name. Maybe in I the had first it first. Year. Yeah, and the guy gave it to me that was kind of involved with me at the beginning, and I was going to call it like the Alligator Cafe or something stupid, and I wasn't really <laughs> sure my theme or how I was going to do it. I, I knew the front yard was essential, yeah, and I also knew that light that I have there was uh, stop traffic. When I built it, it was a burned down shell, and I had to plant uh, 11 trees on that property because of what we took out in City Arborist. And now it wasn't even shaded; it was kind of a, a gas station looking place. It had some little trees, and now it's it's got all that character and yeah. that shade and. I've matriculated from from employees to customers, a great number of people, and I'll probably have a governor before it's over. I've got tons of doctors and lawyers, and uh, it's uh, it's an interesting place. And I've had parents that came there, and they've never been to another restaurant in town, <laughs> believe it or not, and their kids went to school here. and. I've made tremendous relationships with the people that have worked for me, the people that have come there. And, you know, people come for preview and they'll introduce themselves yeah. and then their kids will come to work for me. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a place. I mean, I'm pretty proud of it. And when the fest is in town, of course, they don't cross 13th Street. So there's that segmented market and fraternities and sorority people were predominantly there in when I first started, but that's changed dramatically. When I went to college here, fraternities and sororities weren't that big, and I think they're going back to that level. It, but I'm really university-driven from any event that goes on there, whether it's the chemistry department that they built across the street and spent $65 million. I get that lunch crowd. I get, you know, there's, there's so much more to the swamp than just a bunch of kids drinking underage. And... Uh, it's it's all university driven and I can't I'd like to advertise more and do more but people on the other side of 34th Street aren't going to come and and come here people downtown uh, aren't going to come there it's really just that you that know corridor if, you, if you're yeah. if you're in that if you're in New York City and you're in a big building yeah. and you're selling coffee in there your market is who's in that building and extrapolate that to 10 block area uh, that's what you're getting. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit because there's in the last maybe year and a half, two years, there's almost 5,000 more place settings in Gainesville. What has that squeeze been like, kind of in the restaurant industry? Because you guys, I know Ryan Perdesky pretty well, mm -hmm. and you know you guys have been updating menus and getting a little healthier and looking at doing breakfast and doing all these different things. Um, where do you think Gainesville is with this kind of restaurant scene? Because I know a lot of small business owners, restaurant owners that are feeling the squeeze. And I feel like we're, Gainesville's kind of between that, you know, the personality that's truly Gainesville with these, you know, local spots, and then kind of the big change kind of pushing well, in. There really aren't that many local no. spots. And, but like know. afternoon is filled a need, you know, they've yeah. come in, daybreaks filled mm -hmm. a need. We were missing breakfast, I think, here for a long time. The guys at the top have done a good job top, down yeah, there. Yeah, great job. And uh, uh, west of town, there isn't much. Ballyhoo's, which I own, is yeah. an independent. 
Archer Road doesn't have any of that existing stuff. Yeah. But uh, the one thing that I have read is that restaurants have outsold grocery stores in 2017 for the first time in the history of keeping any kind of records. Wow. So in that, in that respect, that's a positive thing. We're not in New York City with a lot of, you know, with a lot of independence. But I think you have to know what your market is and, ch and chase it. The, uh, you guys are not going to outsell the car business, you know, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, I'm still gonna try. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna outsell Archie Road either, but I'm still gonna try. The thing is that uh, understanding that, knowing it, and evolving into a healthier fare for people, and I'm not necessarily interested. And in, Ryan came from another group that had a Cantina, and they've gone out of business. And my longevity is not chasing that. Two dollar and fifty cent drink, and you know, getting the kids so crazy. You know, it's more. I'm all for eating, drinking, and that combination of dinner and lunch, and a cocktail and an appetizer and that kind of stuff. So, if you really bring that to the table, cool front yard. I have a T-shirt that was very successful. It said. Swamp front yard, shut up and drink your beer, you know, and uh, I sold thousands of them. <laughs> but that was 10 years ago yeah. when kids got out of school or, I mean, kids would come to me and get a shot before they went and took a, <laughs> took a class. <laughs> and that doesn't exist anymore. Kids are much brighter. And all these kids are very, very driven in the fact that they want, you know, I went to college to stay out of the draft. These guys are going to college to get uh, better scores on their uh, LSATs or graduate school degrees and having having better resumes to take them to a higher level. And smart people are smart, you know, they're not, they're not gonna indulge. Every now and then, people let their hair down and have a good time. And we have the doctors, when they get placed in, in their internships and stuff, they'll come there and it's a wild group, you know, 60, 100 kids that are getting placed and to have a bunch of cocktails and have some fun. And yeah. That's, you know, once a year, you know, whereas the Swamp in 94 when I opened it was, uh, it had a hard time uh, creating its identity. And then through the years with national championships and all those other things, I'm as lucky as he was as far as the evolution of scooters in this town and how many were being sold. It's the same thing with the university. They had winning seasons. They had, when they did win, my corner was literally ground zero and everybody came there at, at, at the end of the evening and celebrate. So all those celebrate ESPN, national championships for baseball, basketball, football. I mean, they were back to back. and. It, it just creates more, more hype. There's not a place I can't go that I say I own the swamp that people aren't, you know, yeah. enamored, you know? Right. And not to blow smoke up me, but it's the place. It was, it, I just happened to be the, the, the guy that drove it. So yeah. is there a big 25 year celebration coming actually, up? What do you actually, it's my 24th year. I opened the place on December 30th, 1994, and December 30th is my birthday. So I can keep track of it that way because my memory's shot. But next year is my 25th birthday, and I'm I've been putting together your 25th birthday a Yours. table a tabletop uh, 
a tabletop, a coffee table book that has a timeline for what happened at the swamp when I opened, a timeline of all my girls that have been there because they've been significant in my success because I've obviously screwed up a lot of orders and drinks and stuff. But if you got these really nice young girls that are smart and pretty coming to your table and you're your age, you're gonna say, ah, it's okay. You know, if I bring it to you, you go, what the hell's wrong with this thing? And uh, they were and are part of my whole growth and my whole scenario for the whole place. And they they brought me to fruition. So I'm trying to, without giving up their names, addresses, and their families, you know, see who they are and do a yearbook kind of. Oh, that's and cool. I think that'd be kind of cool. That'd be really neat. Yeah. Very cool. Well, congrats, man, on 25 years coming up. If I'm still here, it's next year, you know? Like I said, I don't know the expiration date. <laughs> Do you have anything else, man? Yeah, I just wanted to ask one last thing. So you've been here since for a while. You've done a lot of different things, different companies, different businesses in town, very well-traveled. What do you, if anything, what do you think Gainesville is still missing, or what types of concepts would you love for someone to seize the opportunity if it's not yourself? Um, and maybe bring to Gainesville to keep it, you know, kind of progressing, you know, as we go. I think leadership is very, very important in our government here. And I also think that uh, the rules need to be changed a little bit for these older landlords that are dinosaurs and they stand in the way of progress. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, skyscrapers in this town or anything, but just a better community, better walking, better better servicing things. It doesn't necessarily have to be automobiles. Years ago, we tried to come up with a trolley system that went down University from Waldo Road to the mall, yeah, right. and it was a center. Cars had to go down Fifth Avenue. It was only for bikes and for scooters, and an open trolley system with really cool transportation. That'd be neat. We have so many opportunities to change the face of this town, and I, I, I can't uh, really criticize my uh, my landlord. They're just not progressive and they're not into the industry. The cones own other stuff down the street. I shouldn't even mention their names, but uh, that plaza that's over by 706, you know, just there's some blighted stuff that doesn't need to be here. And uh, I was buying a little building in Aspen, Colorado. It was 14 feet wide and 30 feet deep. And in that community, if you don't have a tenant in 18 months, you pay the city the going rate for per square foot on what's on the square. And they don't want empty buildings or anything boarded up or anything blighted. And uh, I went, I didn't realize the rules, and when I went to the city commission to do something, they said, well, what are you gonna put there? You need to do this. So I had to think fast on my feet, and I said, well, and asked me, I'll put the $1,000 store there. Forget the dollar store. <laughs> and uh, they kind of liked it. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't buy it because I wasn't, I wasn't a really a commercial renter or real estate person. I was buying it as speculation. And this town needs to have some rules where if you've got a boarded up building or something isn't happening, you need to be charged for it. Not necessarily a burned down building and being fined for not taking it down because it's a, it's a, Know, a hazard, a health hazard, it needs to be a little more progressive and you need to have storefronts look a certain way and those kind of things. And 
it's it's government legislating how you should be doing things, but there's certain there's certain rules that need to be changed. And you want a great community. You want to be safe. You want to be well lit. You want everyone to be, you know, using all the facilities that you have here, parks and things like that. Somebody told me they didn't like the walkway over uh, Archer Road that they took those railroad things and. You know that orange thing architecturally, yeah, DNA. yeah, DNA bridge. And I said, "Are you guys crazy?" I said, "That's the coolest thing in town because nobody's building parks with a statue of me or anything in it." You know, I mean, it's it's architecturally uh, pleasing to the eye, and the more things you have like that gives you more identity in a in a cool town. Gainesville's a tremendous city. It's it's matriculated a lot of Tom Petty. Uh, Forget about the music thing, even even science and Dr. Cade, you know? Yeah. And those guys were the guys that lent me money. Clark Butler lent me money to do things. Dr. Cade did. I, now all the old forefathers were there for the younger guys that were coming up, and they made it, they didn't make it easy, but they didn't make it impossible. And you had to present yourself, and you had to say you do this, and how you create things. And I was, I've been very, very lucky here. So what should businesses do now? Like, how do you recommend that they, I mean, because I listen to that, I'm like, well, like, I I don't want to be a political leader, <laughs> you know? So how how should businesses I, I think like we, ours? I think we have to educate ourselves and make sure we're knowing who these candidates are and what they possess. There was a displaced person on the on the board, I won't mention his name, but he's a good friend of mine. He is an accountant. He's very, very bright, college educated, and they hired, and they and they elected somebody who was, you know, a little farther down the down the food chain as far as education and growth and not having a business. I mean, you and yourself know what it takes to make a pay meet a payroll and how to you know not cheat your employees. Sometimes you're out of money, you know, and it shouldn't be driven by dollars, but you also can't be wasting them. So right. it's management, and city needs to be managed that way, and the rules need to change. Bike paths, you know, I like all that stuff. I, I like I like safety. Well, if there's one thing that I've seen, I know we've talked about it before, is that there has been some progression. You know, I've oh, seen, tremendous amount yeah, since I've been I, here. I've seen yeah. so, so much, and um, and I'm I'm excited to see where things go. But that corridor from 13th to Sixth Street is has been the bad stuff that you see there has been there since I came to town. You know? Yeah. So those things are changing and over the years they will, but I think it's kind of slow. Everything's gone west and that stuff out there, you know, disturbs Well, me. it's one of the reasons why we even wanted to start this podcast is because yeah. I, think, I think a lot of things move slow because a lot of these organizations and are, are so big you know when you try when you try to get the University of Florida the city of Gainesville and you know like when you try to get all, all these moving pieces on the same page I, I just think it's it's super tough at times um, and and that's why I was like you know I'm, I'm constantly looking at it okay well what can I do you know what can I do and that's one of the things that led to us creating this podcast was like yeah. well one thing we can do is is talk about it we can bring in business owners that have been here a long time we can highlight what makes this place so special we can you know and ultimately hopefully keep a lot of our talent from the top eight university here 
attract talent to Gainesville, bring in some of these new businesses to Gainesville, um, make people realize that you can build a business here, you can have a family here, and, and oh, really highlight, you know, family. exactly, and highlight yeah. these things. That's the one thing that I know that I can do and that Ty can, you know what I mean? Like, we know that we can at least do that in, in terms of our part. So hopefully, and hopefully long-term, it, it helps the process, you know? And even if it's just talking about it and putting it on the, putting it out there for everybody to hear and, and at least, you know, stir up conversation around it, hopefully uh, it'll do that. I hope I haven't come off negative. I, no, really, I don't think so. I really I love this town. It's been, it's been my salvation, my hope. I went to school in Miami for a year and came up here and it was just night and day. I really I really enjoyed it and you know, I got to do things I'd never thought I would do. I'm from a very blue collar family. I didn't have any financing from family or anything. What I created, I created and and I've had the support of some of the forefathers in this town and I'd like to see some more of them step up to the plate. There's some very significant people in this town. They've done tremendous things in this town. They've given back quite a bit. The Harn uh, museums and the culture is here, but I still think we have a long ways to go. Yeah. Now, yeah. well, thanks for coming on and talking about it, and for sharing your wisdom with us. I don't know about wisdom. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. I'm yeah. very, very happy that you're doing this. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm flattered that you asked me to be here. Uh, well, I mean, I've always appreciated your mentorship and just you well, know, the things that you shared with it's me on an individual basis. The people that reach out to me, I've got. Tremendous amount of opinions. <laughs> well, I can make your life well, better, I value, but not mine. I value your opinion, and so I'm just super grateful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, Good luck with this. I know you're probably not the one running the social media and stuff over there, but so people can find the Swamp Restaurant. Yeah. It's just Swamp Restaurant everything, or like um, Instagram at Swamp know, Restaurant. At Swamp yeah. Restaurant, you can uh, reach out to uh, uh, Ryan, yeah. and uh, he'll. He'll post everything for you. <laughs> awesome. Well, there you go, Gainesville. Ron, thanks again so much, man. And uh, we're going to see you next time. This is the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> we will see you later. Bye.